Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Michael Elliott, Executive Director of Marketing, and Fred Bliss, CTO of All Things Data at Second Watch. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to a new season of Cloud Crunch. And this is actually our final episode of this season. So as we wrap this up, we're going to talk a little data and analytics with a focus on data strategy. But really, it's it's really the need to understand how data can impact your business needs from a leadership perspective. Joining me today is my co-host, Fred Bliss, CTO of All Things Data here at Second Watch. Welcome, Fred. Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. Oh, come on. Give me some more energy, Fred. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Happy, happy to be here. Also joining me is our special guest, George Estrada, Principal Strategic Advisor for Credit Unions at Amazon Web Services. Welcome, George, to CloudCrunch. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So the focus of this video cast is really the importance and benefits of a data lake, which I'm going to guess there's there's probably a lot of misunderstandings of all the business benefits that can be extracted from the creation and use of a data lake. Would, would you say that's correct, George? Yeah, I think that even the concept itself can be a little bit confusing uh, since it's recent to the vernacular on technology. And when you try to transfer it over to the business side, it's like data lake, what are you talking about? So, um, you know, there's a lot of confusion around it. There's a lot of you know, misconceptions around, well, we have a data warehouse. So it, it takes a little while to get folks used to it, yeah. So let's let's kind of go in and start to examine what are those, uh, what does that mean, data lake, and how is that different? Well, you know, everyone is pretty familiar, at least for the most part, people are familiar with the term of a data warehouse. And that that it's a very structured environment. So there was a lot of work that went into it. And when they came up, uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000, they, they were really innovative, right? I mean, they really moved the ball down the field for analytics and business intelligence. Uh, however, it's like the term itself says, it's very structured. So the, the example I like to give folks is, uh, think of a, a warehouse, uh, like a bound book, right? You have pages, it's bound, but it's very structured. You know, you got your information, you got chapters, everything is in order. Um, if you have, you know, pure text, you've got a book that's pure text. If you've got a picture book, you got a book that has a picture book. But, you know, combining the two can take a little bit more effort. When you look at a data lake, think about a data lake more like the bookshelf. Suddenly, not only do I have books in there, but I could put a little statue. I could put a picture. I could put some recording. Suddenly, it's all my unstructured data. I could start going into one place, and now I could start getting a bigger, broader picture of everything that I have. It's a loose analogy, but it helps getting through, you know, from folks that are non-technical, the idea that, okay, now I can start putting my audio recordings from my call center. I can start putting my logs from my website and really start creating a, a full 
360 view of whatever it is that I'm trying to track, whether it's my membership, uh, engagement, or other activity, you know, security, and so on. George, I think what you uh, just hit on there with the unstructured data is um, it's timely because we're at a point right now where technology has progressed to the point, a lot of the stuff coming out of reInvent to make this so much easier, right? And the data leak is, is a perfect place for that. Um, you know, I've got my own opinionated version of this, but um, how often do you hear and see uh, customers want only a data lake and not a data warehouse or only a data warehouse and not a data lake? I tend to see more. I think that's where some of the confusion tends to come in sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they, and, and you know, what, what, in, what ends up happening is that they, they focus so much on, on the terminology and you know, uh, the data lake of their data warehouse that they, you know, it's easy to become overwhelmed, right? Because then you start, when you start talking about all the different things you could start doing, you know, it's really hard to connect the dots. And sometimes, you know, the idea is like really, you know, keep it very simple. You know, the, you know, start, you know, you, you could think very big, like that's where I ultimately want to end up, but let me start simple and build on it, you know, build something that delivers some value right out the gate. And then you start uh, building on, 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 on that. So for example, you know, when you're doing unstructured and structured data, so I can have my structured data. And if I could connect that with my, you know, sentiment analysis on calls in the call center, right? Now I start really start getting some meat on that data, right? Now it's really starting to add. And if I decide for whatever reason that I want to combine that with footage from video traffic in my branches, right? I mean, I, I don't know why I would do that, but you know, there, there might be a, a reason to do it. Um, you really start seeing the value of a data lake and, and how the data, you know, the warehouses and all this unstructured data can really start becoming very rich. For, the, for yeah, analysis George, and, and yep, go ahead. Oh, and sorry, George. What I, what I was going to say was, I think um, that's an interesting point you bring up, and especially when it comes to credit unions. Um, you know, when we think about a, a starting point for some of these customers, um, they tend to have a lot of their reporting packages, I think, in their package software, right? And so, um, when you start with the data strategy, obviously that's important because you're trying to line up the business users. Um, you're trying to combine around a single vision, but that first build implementation project, it doesn't have to be the, let's start looking at a customer and let's look at, you know, a customer 360. You can start with exactly the use case you're talking about right now, right? Because that that's one of the hard ones that um, you can't really do out of the package software. But um, when you think about the technology that's available now on AWS, um, it's not as hard as I think, um, as I think uh, some folks might think it is, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, exactly. I, the, the barrier of entry keeps lower, getting lower and lower. You know, when you look at uh, SageMaker, for example, you know, what you could do with SageMaker today required, you know, full-time expertise, you know, five years ago. And now the barrier of entry is, is lower. So, you know, that expertise can focus on real difficult problems, you know, whether you, you're outsourcing it or, or using it internally. And folks, with more medium-sized, mid-level skills that are trying to build can start at SageMaker and move their way up. You know, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned the data strategy, and I think that that's something that I'd love to touch on very quickly. You know, 
we talk about you know, getting confused with what a data lake is versus a data warehouse, are they mutually exclusive or not, you know, unstructured and structured data. I want to take it back a little bit more. Data strategy, right? Data misleads everyone. I, you know, landed business folks, I, I see this all the time. I've, I've experienced it in my career. I was a CIO and CTO before uh, joining AWS. And uh, the term data makes the business line folks think that, oh, it belongs in IT. And it's, it's actually the reverse. The data strategy belongs to the That's leadership right. team. IT implements it. And, you know, the reason, you know, sometimes you read these numbers where most uh, digital transformation, you know, like 70% of digital transformations fail, um, you know, or aren't as successful. I, I you know, I, from my experience, a significant number of those is because there was not a full buy-in from the leadership team. And, and as a result, IT delivered what they thought they needed to deliver. And when you're looking at a data strategy, you know, that's where, you know, some, you know, if you left it up to me, you know, uh, 10 years ago, you know, that version of me would be completely geeking out on machine learning. Right? <laughs> so, yep. so if you leave it up to me, I'm going to give you something that's going to be built and using machine learning. Might not deliver any value for the organization, but that you told me to go run with it. Well, I ran with it. And I think We're that's why it's important. Stable diffusion and SageMaker, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's why you, you got to, you, you know, it's, it's critical that the CFO is part of that conversation. It's critical that the uh, loan officer is part of that conversation, the COO, the CEO. And, and if they, and if they're not sure what they're looking at, uh, that's where they use and leverage partners like ourselves, AWS, Second Watch, right? You know, you bring us in for the conversation so we could then help break that down. Um, but I guarantee you that once you break that down and you have two, three, four use cases, and then you could put a proof of concept in, in place, your success rate is going to go significantly up. And it's going to go up significantly up because now you have an objective that you could, you're going to know how to measure success, and then you could start scaling from there. And that's the beautiful part of, of a data lake is the ability to scale. You know, you, you know, it used to be 20, 15, 10 years ago, we have to worry about storage. Now we don't, right? Like you could be really start getting smart about how you, you, you could dump a lot of the information there, but then you could push some things into Glacier. Uh, there's, there's some tools that are very clever. Uh, I don't know if, if, if you fellows have played around with intelligent tiering, but intelligent tiering is like, it's a godsend, right? Like I, I it, you know, I'm not it's using a line it. of code. Yeah, I haven't used it for 30 days, that. push it, you know, keep moving it. So it does give you a lot of wiggle room. It helps you. You you start be you're able to innovate because you can make errors and uh, very quickly, very cheaply, and recalibrate. And I think that that's why the importance of that data strategy is so critical. Getting that that leadership team in for two or three days to really kick it out, give IT the marching orders, and and uh, and then from there you start leveraging and deciding that is that's going to inform what kind of architecture your data lake is going to have. That's going to inform the kind of partners that you need to engage. That's going to inform the kind of data that you might need to get. That's, a, that's another error I think that people make. You know, a lot of folks are like, oh, there's, uh, you, know, you know, data is, is the new oil. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, given how, how we're going with climate and, and, and you know, folks' sentiment around oil, 
How about if we look at it as data as a new renewable, right? You know, you need to figure out, yeah. you know, when what are the best days to catch it, right? Because it's not some days it's windy, some days it's sunny. So you got to have that that multi-pronged strategy, right? And if you're, you know, going to be using some kind of, you know, thermal engineering, then you know, now you got three of them going on. So point I'm I'm trying to make around the data is that you might not after your session for your data strategy, you might realize that you don't have the data you need. So now you got to figure out what do I need. So that's all before you even start building anything, right? So that's yeah. it's such a pivotal point. George, I think um, I think I like the paradigm of uh, a renewable because um, you know when you think about the, the data strategy, right? I, one, I, I think it was really interesting that um, I ran an experiment a couple of weeks ago, just you know off during off times <laughs> um, and did some exploratory data analysis of 10 years of project data. Um, and uh, I labeled each one of the projects, you know, did I consider it successful? And did they do a data strategy in the engagement? And it was, it, I wanna say over 80% likelihood that it would not be successful without the data strategy. Mm -hmm. And one of the many things that come out of it is either we're not capturing the right data or we're not capturing it the right way. And if you look at, um, you know, the explosion in AI that's happening right now, mm -hmm. uh, the biggest limitation that a lot of these researchers are uh, are scared of, aside from some of the more existential ones, are <laughs> uh, <laughs> are we going to have enough organic data out there to actually train our models on? And mm -hmm. that's what these organizations um, have a plethora of when you go back to the call center logs, all the documents they have, all that unstructured data. Um, mm -hmm. It's been largely untapped across yeah. the industry. Yeah, yeah, and and think about you know the the kind of experience a member can have. If I go to the website, if you're able to 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 track me, and I I go to the website, and you could see that I'm looking for information around student loans or or a mortgage, and then I call the call center, and the sentiment analysis on my voice highlights that you know. The, the words, he's, he's not really happy. I mean, I might be in danger, right? I might, you might be ready to lose me, you know? And if you could identify that and flag it, uh, the value proposition that you could come back to me and say, hey, listen, you know, this is, this is the kind of product we think you can benefit from. Um, or, you know, using the other example, it's a little bit more, you know, geeky, you know, because that's what I do, right? But, you know, you could, Take a situation where if you wanted to understand what's generating traffic to your branches or what affects traffic to your branches, you know, the security cameras are already there. You're already collecting this data. So you could take that video, you could teach a model, train it uh, to figure out, and then you call, you know, make correlations of, you know, what was the weather like? What was going on in the news? Uh, you know, what kind of activity might have generated more traffic than not? That can help with staffing. Uh, that could also help with, you know, you start matching it up as like, okay, there was a lot of traffic that particular week, what was going on in the news to kind of, you know, anticipate these things as they're going along and see how you can deliver better value. Um, you know, what other activities were going on in the local mall, right, that might have generated more traffic. You could also conversely look and see if you have security cameras looking outside, how many people are coming by and not walking in and not stopping? Is there something we could do to make people you know, pay attention. These are all things that, you know, even three years ago were only the really big financial institutions could be doing. Now the local ice cream shop could do this. 
right? So I think that that's a very big value proposition. I'll also, you know, if you're studying traffic, let's stick with this model right here. If you're studying traffic, what kind of coupons can you, you know, digital coupons can you work with the other folks in the mall or in your, the area that you could offer folks, you know? So you're walking by and I get a text message and it tells me, look, you know, if I go over here, I get a coupon and, you know, those kind of relationships that you could build. So it's, it's really going to force people in, in the line of business to start thinking differently. And, and, you know, let's remember one thing that one driver that what, what's really changed above everything else is that your members in your credit union are being influenced by the likes of Netflix. They're being influenced by the likes of Hulu. They're, they're, it's not just other financial institutions. They experience something uh, in one sphere, and then now they expect it in another. You know, These I don't think that. Right. So, so we all have to start thinking a lot more broadly than than we used to. You know, like I get exceptionally frustrated when I'm looking for a book. Uh, you know for a Kindle version of, of a book, right? And they don't have it. It's, it's like, I expect it to have a Kindle. Like for me, it's, it's, it's inexcusable, you know? And, and, you know, you look at, I got a 16 year old daughter, she's in high school, you know, and schools have made some progress, but you know, you look in there and it's like, you're like, still like, why can't I do everything off my phone? I'm, okay. I'm using my phone. So, so what does all that mean? That means that your data lake is critical because that is going to be how you adapt and make changes as quickly as they're coming through and as quickly as your members are experiencing it right and it gives your team the ability to experiment uh without having to buy hardware without having them you know set a you know 18 month plan to figure out if something's going to work or not yeah and i think to bring it all full circle the the, the you know to bring it back to a data strategy um everything you just talked about those are the things that come out of um, the data strategies that we do. They're typically no longer than four weeks. Um, interviews with folks like the CFO, other decision makers, people that have been there for 20 years, people that have been there for three months, right? Um, it brings a diverse view of different use cases and it helps prioritize and it helps think about what's possible with the data rather than thinking about it from a, what products do we use? What tools do we use? Those are kind of the least important things. It's more mm -hmm. everything you were talking about, George. How do we identify those? And then how do we prioritize them and put them into action? Yeah. And I have one final question for you. And because as we talk about data, there's the data that you own and that you control, but how do you bring in data from all these external sources into this? Because as I think about that adds another layer of complexity. So to truly get this full picture and bring it all in, how do you bring those external data that may be from, like you were giving the example of the mall, how, how do you bring in those other vendors in the mall and bring that data in so that you have even a richer experience? So there, obviously there are a lot of data services out there that, that one can subscribe to. Um, there's a lot of free data that the government puts out there. Uh, a lot of that is hosted uh, on AWS. So there's access to that. So if you have a data lake, you could get access to that data, bring it in and, and start, you know, uh, you know, uh, doing the, the matches that you need to, to be more richly informed. So there, you know, that actually becomes very easy because of the data lake. Uh, if, if you're doing it on-prem, that becomes a lot more difficult. Uh, so, so there's, you know, I mean, satellite data, 
I mean, some of the most creative things that I've seen out there are, are coming, quite honestly, if you look at, uh, at our nonprofit page on the AWS side, there's some really interesting and clever uh, solutions that nonprofits are putting together with free data that they're able to access and pull out. And then some of them, and here's, you know, here's another line of thought. You know, I got to come up with a, a source of revenue. Well, maybe some of the data that we're pulling together might be valuable to somebody else. And I could now sell my data. Right, so there are orders of magnitude that you could really expand, but I think that I would personally, you know, depending on, and, and Fred, you could weigh in on this, but I would always start with what what are some of the data sets that the government is already putting out there, right? That's very full and rich. It's it's free for the most part, um, and then leverage that, and then to your point on what else is going on in the mall, you know, for example, in that in that mall example there might be already groups that are putting data together collecting that data so it's, it's a matter of uh how but it goes back to that data strategy right uh yeah, because, because that's a not, business function right we're now yeah, talking it, about vendors and partners and things like yeah, that because if not we could go all over the place right you know fred will be like well i'm going to get this census data and i'm like well i want to get the satellite data right? and, and 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 you're sitting there like well, why do i need either right well the, the data strategy would definitely inform and I think, um, you know, it, it's become so much easier to get external data just in the last five years that it's more of a, a, it's not a problem of how do I get this? It's, man, where do we start? And it's back to the use case, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we were talking with the CPG company recently, uh, and they're trying to identify inventory shortages. And the way to do that is um, potentially by looking at the entire news cycle, right? Um, mm -hmm. Across the entire country and with some of the large language models coming out you can distill that down into here's what's happening in this place. And so mm -hmm. I think um, we'll start to see some more interesting alternative data sources coming out as well. But again, George, like you said, it's all back to the data strategy and having that single vision and then expanding on it over time. Yeah, and, and, and I'll add one last thing. You know, credit unions hold a very, I'll, I'll stop short of the, the, the word sacred, but a, a very respected place in our communities. Uh, and, I'm a and they, they top, they, they, they beat everyone around trust. So as you're building out your strategy, keeping that in mind, keeping that, that integrity around protecting people's data, uh, keeping that, that front and center that what really differentiates, you know, credit unions from other financial institutions is the trust that the community has. You know, that's a real hard uh, card to beat for other institutions, right? Because they don't have that. And I think that, you know, when when you know when you got uh, fintechs and 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 the, and the likes that are solving great problems and they're doing it really well, but they don't have the trust and credibility that credit unions have. Credit unions no. need to be able to balance that, use that, right? And having a data lake and then setting real clear guidelines around how you're using a data lake, how you're managing the data, that's a value proposition that everyone's gonna love. You know, like, I, you know, I was listening to, you know, there's all this chaos going on right now with crypto, but one of the interesting things was that when polled, folks were, 80% of folks out there that, that are, handling or doing some kind of transaction in crypto would trust would much more prefer to give their keys to a credit union yep okay 
than any other institution. That says a lot right there. That's an opportunity, right? Who are these people? You know, what are they, what else are they looking for? You know, and, and why do they trust, you know, credit unions? Okay. So, so there's a history here. I don't think, I think that right now we're going through a real big change uh, for credit unions. And I think that, that they should embrace it and be very bold. And, and the folks that are going to really grow and, and deliver value are the ones that are going to be bold, always knowing that trust is that cornerstone for, for the uh, uh, vertical. Yep. And again, by starting with that data strategy, a governance program can start to be born and evolve. You don't get that when you just go build. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, I was like, having been you know, a technologist for 25 years, it's like, don't tell me to build something. Because I'll build something. It might not be what you want, but I'll build it. <laughs> well, George, I want to thank you very much for joining us today to discuss the importance and benefits of a data lake. And to the audience, I want to thank you for listening to our show. This videocast is intended to add value to any large enterprise that is planning on, moving to, or is currently focused on leveraging the value of the cloud. Send your comments or suggestions to cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com. George, Fred, thank you very much for joining. I Definitely an informative session. I greatly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, George. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Michael Elliott and Fred Bliss. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com forward slash cloud dash blog. Or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter and LinkedIn.